This is Shut Up Mom, a high production, a safe space for moms by moms. Welcome back to another episode of Shut Up Mom, a Hype Collective production. And we're your hosts, Maria Dora and Bethany. <laughs> and we're so excited. It's season two. Yay! And we're joined by an amazing guest. We're so excited to be joined by Mackenzie and hear more about her mother, her journey, and experience transitioning from being a nanny to becoming a mom. She lives in the Philly suburbs with her two-and-a-half-year-old son, her amazing partner of 10 years, and their fur baby, who is a gentle giant Edison. (laughs) Mackenzie now works hybrid as an office administrator at a university, where she helps guide students through their big questions and big feelings. Mackenzie's also known for her hospitality, coziness, grace, the color mustard, which is so true, (laughs) reliability, kindness, and all that mom shit. She loves creating spaces of belonging and practices of messy hospitality, which I can't wait to talk more about. And you can always find her crafting, baking, reading, and exploring thrift shops, flea markets, and finding treasures there. So we are so excited to have you, Mackenzie. Thanks so much for being on with us. I'm so excited. It is so great to be here chatting with you guys. Yes, it's awesome. And we asked you to share a little bit about your motherhood journey ahead of time. And I really can't wait to dive more into this. And I love that you shared with us beforehand that you always felt called to be a mother, which I think is so special and so beautiful. And I also love that you shared that your own mom is an inspiration to how um, you just watched her nurture others and love others and create safe spaces. So this seems to be a part of like your motherhood creed. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about about this this motherhood (laughs) journey of yours? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I do feel like I have always felt called to be a mother. I feel like mothering for me, I watched my mom do it. Like you said, she, she mothered biological children. She mothered children that she like pulled in. I guess I say biological, actually not. I'm adopted, but it, um, she mothered her children and she mothered so many others. And I just watched her, uh, fling the doors wide open, uh, at midnight at 7am in the afternoon, the doors of our refrigerator, the back doors, uh, just truly every opportunity to be a mom. I watched her do it. And it was truly an example to me to say that motherhood extends a lot farther than just your own house. It extends really in all the spaces that you walk. It's a, a, a state of nurturing and loving others well. And through that, um, that kind of followed me. I I was the mom of my friends. I was the mom of kids that I watched uh, as a babysitter, as a nanny. And I became the mom of my friend's kids, like an aunt, and then the mom of my own. And through that, it just evolved. And I feel like it's been a continual journey of learning what that means and what it means to love others well uh, in in motherhood, but also in mothering. That's so awesome. So I feel like what I'm hearing a lot is just like your idea of nurturing and taking care of not only your own family, but the community at large. And um, 
I just wanted to know um, what that played out as like being a nanny and stuff like that. Like, did you pick up, um, you know, the idea of like gentle parenting or something like that because of your mother or because um, like in your career as a nanny, um, is that kind of where you started to, to build on that idea? I feel like my parents did aspects of gentle parenting before they knew it was a concept. Uh, the the concept of grace and autonomy, the pieces in it of critical thinking, of understanding, of letting kids uh, fail upwards. <laughs> Those were pieces that I learned from, from my parents. The concept of uh, discipline as discipleship, right? As a discipline as a piece of um, discipling people towards the right decision and stewarding the, the children in our care. I saw that in how my parents parented the kids that weren't theirs, and that transferred a lot into how I parented uh, children as I was partnering with their parents. A lot of the evolution came from what's working, what isn't, uh, how do I adapt my own personal philosophy to other parents. Some of it came from uh, my absolute obsession with the neurological development of children's brains, right? Like <laughs> I, I was an early childhood education major and I truly just absolutely nerd out over all things like psychology and neurological development of children, of best practices, best teaching practices, what works in the classroom, why it works, relationships, uh, all those pieces. I, I'm a total nerd about those. And some of it evolved from, quite honestly, watching some parents and seeing what I feel didn't work, right? Like uh, I, I had a few relationships as as a nanny or as an educator where parents would be like, I don't understand why my kid listens to you and not me. And you can't, A, answer that question, uh, B, and B, uh, you know, part of it is a relational aspect of how you speak to kids and and what you're expecting of them and also, you know, what they see you expecting of yourself. And in that evolution, that, you know, shaped some of it. And then some of it was from watching truly exceptional parents in their relationship with their kids and seeing what worked for them. And the, the evolution came, you know, quite, it felt quite naturally. Some of it was from study, right? So as I watched some of it work, I want to know why. I'm always asking why. <laughs> and so I would look for the why, right? The why behind it, neurologically, psychologically, um, relationally, socially, why is this working? Why does this work best? Uh, and how can I adapt that to what I'm doing? I love that so much. I, and so, so it sounds like this really informed your parenting and also it just seems like you've been like a parent in training for like ever <laughs> you've been like a student to become a parent and it's been it's so cool to hear like how this all developed even from just being a child and see, witnessing like your parents um yeah it's just been a really long apprenticeship before I actually got <laughs> amazing and then okay so tell us though like 
once you did become a mom, like, what was that like? Like, all those, did you have, like, all of these expectations of, like, okay, when I have my own kid, it's going to be, like, this and that, and then, like, boom, baby comes into the world. What happens? I feel like a lot of it was adapting what I really wanted in my home, right? So, like, the biggest thing that changed is that, like, at the end of the day, I couldn't give him back. And so there was, like, there was a permanency to that uh, that, you know, is definitely laughable, but is also, it's also very true, right? Like, it it was a constant reminder to myself of, like, all right, I, like, I'm going to be the one up all night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and And what does that look like? Um, so for me, a lot of going into it was learning how to adjust myself to the changes. So I had a lot of expectations for myself. I have always had really high expectations for myself um, when it comes to the standard of care that I give to kids and learning how to manage those internal expectations versus the external expectations was actually harder for me. So I knew that was going to be hard for me. I I knew that was going to be something I would have to work on. Um, So instead of a, well, not instead of, in coupling with a a birthing class, um, I took um, a class with Jake and it was called uh, Mindfulness and Meditation in Parenting and Birth. (laughs) And so I took a mindfulness course and was learning how to be present in myself uh, in the moments. And truly that has been the biggest adjustment. I think the years with kids, you know, that every kid is different. You don't know, you know, that's an advantage of apprenticing. You don't know what you're going to get. And truly after watching as many kids as I did, like, I definitely know, you know, you're, you're not going to know. And you wonder, you're like, all right, I'm growing this human. Is it going to be more like me? Is it going to be less like me? Is it going to be more like Jake? Um, What are they going to act like? How are they going to feel? How are they going to choose to navigate the world? Um, But really in parenting, I have learned through parenting others and parenting that the thing that I knew that has stayed consistent is, you know, you can't control kids you can only adapt the environment and control your response to it. And so in learning that for myself, the biggest change was that I had to do it consistently, right? I couldn't go home, reset at the end of the day and come back the next day. So I had to learn to let some of those cracks or imperfections show. I had to learn, um, how to ask for more help than I'd ever had to ask for before, which is a strange thing when your kid is born in March of 2020, because who do you ask for help? Right. Um, (laughs) And so it, it became just a a complete, I mean, the other thing is it's a complete shattering of all expectations, right? Mm -hmm. When your kid is born in March of 2020, all of a sudden, everything that you planned, everything that you set up for a safety net is uh, gone. And you have to learn to navigate that you can't go to the doctor because it's not an emergency situation. So now you're weighing your kid in an Ikea bag with a luggage scale. And like, how do you remain a perfect environment when like, that's your two week checkup, right? So (laughs) you start to learn that you have to let things go. And you just have to focus on 
yourself in that situation and how you respond to it. And, and that became my learning piece mm-hmm. as I was entering motherhood. Wow. So incredible. <laughs> Bethany, I can definitely relate to having babies in 2020. Mm-hmm. It is like, what just happened? Where's my support? <laughs> <laughs> what's safe oh my gosh <laughs> the ikea bag oh my gosh that's <laughs> <laughs> that's a new one i have to be honest i did not i did not have to struggle with an ikea bag but i did have the two boys like remotely schooling while the baby's screaming and trying to figure out how to unmute the kids or mute them or whatever <laughs> Yeah, I related to that. I um I went on maternity leave while I was working for one of the families that I was a house manager and a and a nanny for. And the plan was that I would I would come back to work and I would only work 30 hours because all the kids would be in school all day and I would work for them for the summer and then we would maybe talk about the fall, but most likely I would be finding a new position. Um and then he was born and everything changed and the kids were all home. And so I ended up spending the next year with my little firstborn fourth child, um, virtual schooling, three older kids who were in fourth grade and or, yep, fourth grade, second, second grade and kindergarten <laughs> uh, with a two month old. <laughs> And we did that for the following school year as well. And so, yeah, I do. I call him my little firstborn fourth child. (laughs) Truly, he only had me alone for a period of like the eight weeks of maternity leave that I was on. And then when we jumped back in, we jumped in with both feet and he had three older siblings and he was literally never alone. Wow. (laughs) And that must have been a, a really different dynamic because I'm assuming the parents are, are then working from home. And That's yeah. true. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We had our own little family. So yeah, they, they both worked from home uh, and all the kids schooled from home and their home was my home. So it was the, you know, and then, it was just us. And you, you are now now you're not nannying which I'd love to hear sure. about that as well so what what kind of led to that decision to to transition into this this new role that you're in well the family I had worked with all the kids uh outgrew me and I don't say that with anything but true pride because oh. they all you know went on to go be in full day school and no longer needed a full-time nanny Uh, They just needed somebody to feed them snacks in the afternoon when they got home and drive them to practice, right? So when the family that I had been working with for the past like four years no longer needed me, I kind of was driven to thinking about what I wanted to do. And I realized that while I absolutely loved the level of investment that I had in other people's life as a house manager, uh, I would really like to manage my own house, <laughs> which which really just meant that I, I felt like I needed more time. And so that was a journey uh, for me of what 
I thought I wanted to do and how to figure that out. And so I, I went back to teaching for a year. Um, I quickly left teaching after a year and <laughs> pursued um, other avenues that I felt would be a better fit for what our family dynamic needed. And so when I went back to teaching, the job that I was at had initially told me that they had childcare on premises. And then uh, shortly before the school year started, told me that that was no longer an option. And so I, we had to figure something else out. Uh, it was a university model school, which meant that I didn't work on Fridays. And so we yeah. found someone that could take care of my little bear three days a week. And uh, my husband took off of work on Mondays. That's his like day off now. And I took off on Fridays and um, I put my 18 month old little one in with somebody who we really trusted. It was kind of like a home care situation. So he's with a few other kids and uh, it ended up being a really good situation that we really trusted. And we were very thankful for that. Um, not everyone has such a personal option that they can pursue. And so I was really grateful to have that going back, especially with such a short change. And that it kind of took some of the benefits that I had chosen that job for away. And I quickly realized throughout the year of it not being a good fit um, for me personally, that it was also just not a good fit mostly just for our family and where we wanted to go in the future. And so I applied for a job on the whim pretty much at a university and um, they really wanted me to work there. And I said, great. I know that it's nine to five Monday through Friday, but I actually would really like to keep my teacher hours and I'd like to work from home like one to two days a week. And they were like, done. We would love you to work here. We want you to work here. And I was like, okay, great. Um, that was unexpected. And so I ended up accepting that position uh, at the end of this last school year and started um, shortly after. And it has been a perfect fit because I we got to keep the same family schedule uh, of Jake having off on Mondays and me having work from home on Fridays, um, where I have the absolute loudest coworker. <laughs> Ever. I know the feeling. <laughs> but truly, he's a happy coworker. He may yell that he wants snacks while I'm in the middle of a work call, um, but honestly, same. So yeah. it worked out. <laughs> and that has been a great fit. So that's kind of where that journey uh, led me away from nannying. It's kind of my true love. I love working with families. I really love the support that I'm able to offer them and the relationships that are built. I think the depth of stepping into other people's lives and being able to assist them in that way uh, is something that you could never truly replace with any other administration job. But really, I think it's closer to an administration job than yeah. it is to teaching. And so it was a good fit for me uh, moving and it was a great fit for for our family. Thank you for sharing that. I, I love hearing about, you know, your journey of just figuring out what's next and what works for your family. Cause that is so important. And it's, I mean, I can talk all night long about like figuring out your path and what you're going to do. And, you know, so I love that. Um, but we have more questions for you. 
<laughs> oh, okay. Tell us your biggest wins you've had in motherhood. Apart from weighing your baby in an Ikea bag and taking care of so many children all at once during a pandemic. So impressive. <laughs> Wildly impressive. Tell me more. <laughs> a lot of time outside. That was truly the win. <laughs> we spent all time outside. Um, I think, right, we spend all day as moms sometimes thinking about the things that don't feel like wins. Mm-hmm. So this question shouldn't be so hard, right? But as moms, we are not as gentle on ourselves as we are on our kids. And so it's hard to think about the wins. But some of them... Some of them are um, so, so personal to me. So one time um, when my little one was about 20 months old, like he was really just starting to talk like strong sentences and we were getting ready to go to bed and I put him to sleep by laying down next to him and I just lay with him till he falls asleep. And that has looked different throughout his life. But at that time, that's what we were doing. And I laid next to him and he was having a really hard time falling asleep. And he looked at me after about 15 minutes and he said, I know sleep, mama. I said, why you know sleep, baba? And he goes, I know sleep. I, I know want to sleep alone. I sleep in mama's bed, please. I know sleep by myself today. And I cried because it was really everything I'd been truly hoping to like raise in a kid that could talk, Mm -hmm. that he could express his needs Mm -hmm. and do it so clearly and so vulnerably in like saying, hey, I know this is our normal routine. I know you sleep in your own bed and I sleep in mine, but like uh, I'm feeling like this is what I need tonight. Mm -hmm. And I still look at that as one of my biggest wins in parenting. That has translated through the rest of his life, right? So uh, my husband was doing this thing where he was, like, picking James up with his legs. And he picked him up with his legs, and he, like, flipped him over. And he went, no, Dada, stop. That's not safe for me. (laughs) And... He was like, whoa, okay, little dude, like, I'll put you down. And we, like, went from from there. But truly, the the amazing nature of him expressing himself mm-hmm. in what is very clear but also very kind, right? Like, he hasn't – he doesn't yell at us um, unless he's really hungry. But he's, he's – <laughs> he expresses things in such a, a genuine way with such clarity that I often wish that I as an adult could express with such clarity that I think that is probably the biggest win. I genuinely hope he never loses that. I hope he keeps telling me those things. That is so huge. Um, That really resonated with me, Mackenzie, just being able to see the work that you put in uh, like into gentle parenting and teaching them to be able to like explain their needs and their fears and their, and, and then meeting them in spite of, I'm sure you were tired in that moment and just like, please go to bed, just go to sleep. And being able to meet him with empathy 
within that win. Like that's like a double win for to me. Like because <laughs> I can tell you how many times my kids like I've I've had that same experience where they'll be like, you know what? Like I know this is what we do, but can we please just do it this way? And I'm just be like, no, <laughs> like we're not doing it that way. You're just manipulating me or whatever. But that you you met him with empathy and you were like, yeah, you, you did that. Like you were able to explain a desire that you, that you felt that you need in this moment. Like we can do that. That's okay. And, um, that's such a great, it's a great lesson. And that's like kudos for that one. That was really good. (laughs) Thanks. I feel like this is a hot take. I'm totally going to go off of something that you said and just like take a second to talk about it if that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, from a neurological standpoint, children before a certain age are actually incapable of manipulating you intentionally. Uh, So neurologically, there are actually like a ton of steps between an individual's choice and like an individual's choice to manipulate. Mm -hmm. So it, it requires a depth of understanding of reality, right? So what is real and, and what do I want and what do you want? And how can I change what's real to tilt towards what I want? Mm-hmm. And so psychologically, they say that children cannot actually manipulate the truth until they're past more of a like post-pre-K stage mm-hmm. um, or in a pre-K stage and age. So something that has helped me, which is why I voiced that, something that I constantly say to myself when he is saying he wants water and it's past bedtime and I feel like you just want me to open the door. Like (laughs) something I constantly repeat to myself in my head is like he is not capable of manipulating. He has a need and he needs it met. And and that need might be water. It might be that he needs the door open and he thinks water is a good way to do it, but he's not manipulating me. He's trying to get his need met in the way that he knows how. And so how can I make that reality for him happen while still holding the boundary that I have? So for example, I will go get you the water, but you have to stay on your bed. If you get up off your bed when I open the door, then I'm going to have to close the door again because I would like to get you water and you would like to get you water, but I need you to stay where you are in order for me to get you water. And he'll be like, okay, mama. Um, And he's not usually happy about it. And it doesn't always work. Um, Sometimes I shut the door again. But the the boundary and consistency for me, it's, it's just helped and I hope it helps somebody else who hears it know that mm-hmm. at um at a certain point in time your kid will definitely manipulate you uh but the toddler stage is not one of them right <laughs> yeah it's um I think the kids I'm referring to are my older kids my seven oh, yeah, and nine year olds um <laughs> yeah. I definitely um I'm so glad that you shared that though because that is such an important thing to remind ourselves in like the daily grind of things. It's, it's easy. Like there, there are things that my kids that are nine and seven that are not neurologically capable of that. I like definitely say like, Oh, why are you doing that this way? And I'm like, okay, 
I mean, to think about, you know, you're in your like primitive brain still, like you still have all these things that have to develop. Um, but it is not easy to maintain that level of grace that you were talking about. Um, yeah, and our mom brain, <laughs> and our mom brains kind of go to like our lizard brain when we're in those situations because we're just like I'm so triggered and like you just like fight or flight mode like that's happened to me so many times in the midst of a tantrum where I'm just like oh my gosh like what is happening and it's so hard to just like take a deep breath like be in the moment be mindful acts acts like the deeper why of like why mm-hmm. is this happening and how can I meet this need that that obviously there's a need here and so for right. me it, the challenge has just been like understanding you know like Ronan like Ronan needs something from me right now and he's not doing this to upset me or like even or even if he hit me or bit me or something like that it's just like okay, what are we saying? What are we saying with these actions? But it's so hard to just slow down and be like, like ask yourself that. That's been always my challenge. Maybe that's what we can ask you, Mackenzie. How do you stop and take a beat to be able to to take the pulse of what is the need right now? Do you have some sort of tactic that you could share with us? I truly believe in the skill of self-regulation, mm. right? So practicing what we are trying to instill in our kids, what we're trying to instill at the base of every every outburst, at the base of every big emotion, at the base of every big growth is an ability to self-regulate. Mm-hmm. And through that, I have learned that I need more self-regulation skills. Uh, I need more self-regulation skills than I teach kids, mm-hmm. right? So if we're expecting kids to have a few, I need to have more of them. Right. And so self-regulation practice has been the biggest tool that I have had in finding, like, as Maria said, like that, like calm, right? Like that we need to have that why dug out. And so I usually stand up or I take a few deep breaths. Some regulation skills could be just a big stretch. Uh, Truly, I have laid on the floor mid tantrum of my child and just like felt the cold floor on my back while laying there and (laughs) been like, this is happening right now. Um, And truly I'm just thankful it's not happening in a grocery store at this moment. So uh, here we are and, and here it is also just, I think that self practice of both self-regulating, but also I think as parents, a lot of times, speaking of grocery store, a lot of times our overreactions to kids' overreactions, the inability to keep our calm comes from caring a lot about how we're perceived in that moment, right? And truly, I don't care Mm. because I don't care about the person across from me's emotional development. I'm not responsible for it. I'm responsible for my my son's. Right. I'm responsible for my own. And so if Great. you would like to suggest how you would like me to handle it, I will very politely tell you uh, that that's none of your business. <laughs> so um, I think, I don't know. 
God-given, innate, not caring what anyone else thinks is not uh, is not actually a strength of mine, truly. Uh, I, I care a lot, and I've usually critiqued myself harder than I've critiqued anyone else um, ever. And so I often say to myself, like, well, there's nothing they could say out loud that I'm already not negatively thinking mm-hmm. about myself uh, mm-hmm. in in those moments, right? I'm already analyzing what everyone's perception is around me probably five times harder than they're actually analyzing or noticing for me personally. And so the ability to like see that, to understand it, and then to use self-regulation skills and truly like breathe it in and like breathe it out. Because I know for myself that, you know, my calm brings about his calm. Mm -hmm. And so if I'm not regulating, then there's no way he's going to. And so finding that in those moments as best as I can uh, has been really the only the only form of secret sauce that I that I have for other people. Find the self-regulation and the the parenting of yourself skills that work for you in those moments and then use them. Mm-hmm. And then also um apologize because truly I don't always get it right, right? So toddler to older kids that I've worked with, um, you know, I said no to that because I was annoyed and I don't want to think about another way of doing things when I've thought about it already and I already had to decide. But you're not wrong. That's not a bad way of doing things. I just didn't want to do it because in that moment, it was hard for me to make another choice. But Mm. I took a deep breath. I came back to it. Um, I can see that you're in your room really sad that I didn't listen to your opinions and I'm like, I'm really sorry about that. You're right. We could have done it that way. That's not how I would have chosen to do it, but that doesn't mean it's the only way. And that's how I was acting, which isn't always the best choice. Kids will like just serve you large dishes of humility. They will. Oh, they will. Truly. Good Lord, they will. It's so good though. Like they really do help you discover these parts of yourself that you're like, I did not know that I was hiding that way deep down there. And I'm really sorry. (laughs) I'm really sorry for that. And then you can work on it. (laughs) There's and like showing kids that respect of like, I respect you and I apologize, you know? And I think one of the biggest, I guess, surprises of becoming a parent is that you have to really like reparent your own inner child. Like, mm-hmm. and just really the everything you shared about self-regulation, it's so good. It's so important for me. It was like, I need to see a therapist. Like I need to figure out what's going on. Why am I getting so triggered and how can I build out those, you know, self-regulation um, tools for myself and having a therapist has been so helpful in that. So I, I highly recommend that we definitely need more emotional health and healing in our society and mama community. And Mackenzie, I really just appreciate you so much. And you are such a wealth of wisdom and knowledge. So thank you for sharing all of those, those great tidbits. Of course. Thank you so much. It's such an honor to like be chatting with you guys and just sharing and, and hearing about your experiences. Therapists all the way. Yes.
Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, just to wrap it up, um, we typically ask, you know, what what your creative outlet would be. And if you don't mind my stepping in here and positing that that a creative outlet for you would be like the messy what was the term for it again (laughs) messy hospitality hospitality that just sounded creative to me (laughs) so (laughs) tell us like a little bit more about that before we before we go it is a reality for me that I I need people in my life and truly when when i spoke earlier when I was like, I realized that I needed a job where I needed to manage my own household. What I meant by that was my professional job was making sure that everyone's laundry was folded and put away, that the schedule had nothing that overlapped, that everybody got where they needed to be, that the meals were planned, the fridge was stocked, and they were prepped and the meals were ready, that everybody had perfectly packed lunches in their planet box to go to school the next day. And everything was ready. All the things were organized. The You could find everything where it was. And that was my professional job. And so when I came home at five o'clock, absolutely none of that applied to my life. Like mm. probably not a single piece of it, right? The laundry was never folded, actually. Like we just spent two hours folding like three weeks worth of laundry. That's really embarrassing to admit, but absolutely it's true. Uh, That was on the floor so much so that my husband had an actual allergy attack, actual allergy attack, uh, trying to fold the laundry because there was truly dog dog dander and dust in it. And I was like questioning whether or not we should be folding it or just rewashing it because what has our life become? But (laughs) I, I, staunchly refuse, staunchly refuse to let the the pile of laundry and the dirty dishes uh, keep me from inviting people into my home or inviting people into my life. And mm. so I have built friendships on grocery shopping together because it's the only time that we had. And I worked nine to five and so did they. So guess what we were going to do at six o'clock when we got out of work? Get in the car and go to Trader Joe's. And what are we going to do when they come home and they literally beat me home and walked my dog for me because I didn't, didn't make it home before them. And the answer is, I guess we're going to cook together because I don't have anything prepared. So here it is. And, um, this, this year we set aside, uh, with one of my best friends, we set aside three Saturdays in the summer where we could spend time together. And we spent one of them going to a coffee shop and it was beautiful and relaxing and so rejuvenating. And we spent the next two at each other's house, tearing their houses apart and purging. Like I kid you not, like every nook and cranny got like Marie kondo and it was like, goodbye. Goodbye to this. And and we got rid of like car loads of things for each other. But like nine to five in each other's house, like community, but but mostly covered in actual dust and, and sweat. And so hospitality for me, it had to be messy or it wasn't gonna happen. It it had to be a community that was built around truly being in each other's lives not just a part of each other's lives Mm -hmm. and that level of messy hospitality 
can sometimes, again, much like a toddler, be like a dose of humility, right? When you go to other people's houses and you try to compare and you're like, oh my goodness, I can tell you vacuumed. I can tell you vacuumed at some point and I actually don't remember where my vacuum is. (laughs) (laughs) I think the charger for it broke a few months ago and... I was it makes going you uncomfortable. It makes you uncomfortable to be in someone's clean house. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I see it. And I'm like, I absolutely love that. I love that you can do that. And truly, that truly, at one point in time, my life was like that too. Um, and and honestly, I I work towards finding a rhythm where folding laundry doesn't actually give my husband an allergy attack. But at this point in time, we are we are choosing other areas of our life um, over the laundry, and I've had to learn to be okay with that and to include that as as a form of hospitality. I believe that the liturgy of our lives is like lived in those ordinary moments. And so loving one another in those ordinary moments is the best form of hospitality that I've learned to live with other people. So good. So, so good. It's really doing life with others, you know, showing up for each other and just that's that's what hospitality is all about is creating that safe space creating that community and and being that that welcoming force and in the season of motherhood how can you do that with a perfectly clean home <laughs> you know <laughs> truly the cleanest room in our house is actually my son's because he i like try to model picking things up and mm. so at the end of the day we clean his his room because it's not that big and I need space to lay on the floor. <laughs> so <laughs> I get that. So his room is, is usually the only clean room in the whole house. <laughs> That's marvelous. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well thank you Mackenzie so much for joining us on this episode of shut up mom um if it's all right with you we wanted to plug your insta it's at not quite mary poppins and um if you're not already follow us also at hype collective and we'll see you all next time bye for joining everyone this has been shut up mom a hype production find us on instagram and tiktok at hype collective Music by Honeyard.